0: Taking Command is a story of how God, through a few questing and engrailed master masons operating in America, gave the world the gift of spiritual freedom. two, New York mansion, nighttime party. Howe, Elizabeth, Patterson, Mrs. Murray, Kemble, society set, officers playing cards and mingling. The camera is on General Howe and Elizabeth. Mrs. Murray can be seen beelining toward them. Howe says, Elizabeth, Patterson, shall we play? Mrs. Murray. Is that her fearless leader, General Howe? Murray speaks at a distance. Howe knows she could be troubled, so he looks at Patterson and Elizabeth, and they meet Murray in a space with few others. The very same Mrs. Murray. I thought we might run in the same circles. Yes, I surmised we would. I would love to introduce you to my Elizabeth splendid we meet at last elizabeth so pleased to make your acquaintance mrs murray they dip their heads slightly toward each other and keep eye contact with big smiles not to miss a thing your general and i met under the strangest of circumstances i've heard that before one can imagine, they smile. It was during battle and Washington and all his men were on the run and then I heard bugles, a fox hunt. No, not here, I thought. And then there was the general and his entire staff stopping in for a party at my home. Terribly amusing. I never dared imagine the general would pull it off. The general planned it ahead of time with Governor Tryon absolutely flawless timing. If that doesn't beat all, Elizabeth looks at the general and smiles, shaking her head. Mrs. Murray continues, and he spoke so bewitchingly about you, Elizabeth, I knew we were destined to meet. The New York battle, was it? Yes, I remember the general and Patterson were greatly amused by your philosophy, or was it your husband's best Madeira. Elizabeth looks to Howe to confirm and he does. He smiles for he knows E has brought Murray down a notch but he wants out. Murray says, General, where have you been hiding this most unusual creature? The General and Patterson look at each other and laugh. Elizabeth and then Howe notice a few others are maneuvering to join their animated foursome. Patterson whispers they're coming to how. Elizabeth says, Mrs. Murray, the tables are slow right now. Will you take a turn around the room with me? I can tell we will get on famously. Why not? You are a type, Elizabeth, I rarely meet, and I hear your poetry is divine. Mrs. Murray turns and Elizabeth looks impishly at Howe with, my poetry will control her. Howe nods and Elizabeth takes Murray's arm in fun. Well, General Patterson says, our Mrs. Murray has not lost her stride. Howe listens and watches as the two women stop at the very first group. Elizabeth knows another's mind, instantly Patterson. Let's move on. I see one of Clinton's approaching. They move toward the tables. William, there is continual talk amongst those who are not privy. Other officers in the ministry do not understand your next move or any of your moves. Percy's Captain Stedman said that you drag out the winner without doing one thing to obtain the end for which you were appointed peace commissioner. And of course, some blaming on Elizabeth that you are carrying on in the old way. Chess game, Patterson. (laughs) patterson says i think you rather like some aspects of this i do pressure is a privilege battle of another sort to wage on one's way back up the winding staircase to the center and union with our divine principle they nod together hal looks to elizabeth and patterson follows where he looks as always patterson says the room seems to follow her James, I am quite sure by nature I was never meant to be with just one. Then something of your nature, William, your true self, changed on Breed Hill. Howe nods. Those who have never been in love or had a redefining moment cannot understand my relationship with Elizabeth because they feel nothing, hence the old way. They see General Stephen Kemble approaching. Kemble. Howe says, Kemble, has Cornwallis sailed? Yes, I will have. Howe takes a drink from a waiter. He has, General, only a week to secure Brunswick, as you surmised. Clinton? Percy will take over his command in Rhode Island, Howe adds. Kemble, Clinton's holiday begins in two days. I heard, the rumor is, he leaves on business. What business? Germaine, Kimball says. Howe looks questioningly. Clinton is deeply aggrieved by Germain's comments regarding his military successes here, and he may force a day of reckoning. Patterson and Howe can't believe it. A duel, Patterson says. Germaine doesn't stand a chance. Howe ponders. There is a ship that leaves with the morning tide for England. Sir Andrew Snape's frigate The Roebuck, Kemble says. Ah, a table, shall we? Howe points. They sit for cards. Patterson watches as Howe writes down Clinton, folds up the paper, and puts it into his pocket. This might come in handy for later. Patterson leans over to Howe now that the attention of the officers at the table is directed toward new arrivals and some stand. Patterson. Percy was none too happy being ordered to Rhode Island. How? Patterson, he came to me and asked for a transfer. He lost the battle with temptation. Patterson leans back, nods, and then shakes his head, the only thing he could do. And now he atones at a distance with Stedman, Howe says. Not much of a social season beyond the pale in Rhode Island. He will miss my investiture into the most honorable order of Bath. The ceremony is in March, Patterson says. Tria, unta, in uno. Three joined in one. Patterson realizes what he has said. No irony there, Patterson. In the midst of his phrase, Hal stops speaking and turns as he hears Elizabeth's melodious laughter as she entertains a captivated Mrs. Murray with a poem. Patterson takes in his commander's concealed depth of illimitable emotion that now and again threatens to surface and overwhelm him. Patterson wears an indistinct look, one of irony mixed with admiration that his friend, the notorious ladies' man, could be so changed by love. How recovers his insouciance before he speaks with lowered voice and then he almost loses his composure again. How unquestionably, James, she belongs to the best society and then she enjoys the most childish things with such depth of wisdom. Often through her I am made aware of the infinite alongside of the limited and material and then there is only how suddenly writes his emotion and is as he was before patterson now percy saw that in her as well william how shakes his head percy i did not see it coming and now he winters in rhode island patterson inquires with a look for how long I know, Patterson. Percy has been a very good friend and officer, but he crossed the line and our ties gave. He forgot his Masonic oath and went terribly astray. I have given him both distance and time to rekindle his virtuous flame before I begin to bear enmity against my brother. He may feel that he has to resign. I hope he can reconcile his feelings, and it doesn't come to that. I understand, General, and I have to hand it to you. Avenge thyself by doing good. Precepts, Patterson, Masonic precepts. But I must confess, Elizabeth, help me, Patterson looks. I was terribly angry with him again a day later. Elizabeth said, the very essence of his soul is good. He knows he has sinned against his nature in you. I felt his self fill with contrition and soften. After two glasses of sherry, I knew she was right. I was ready to be lenient. Your word, Patterson. Forgiveness, love of each other beyond object, is a level above. Still, distance is needed. Percy has to give her up in his mind. Patterson takes in his commander and finds him to be better than before temptation william is human not to act divine it was a close call james a very close call i wanted to fight for her honor they share that in silence how shakes his head he looks at elizabeth she feels it and knows of what they speak even now i atone in her As the other officers turn back to the table, Howe seamlessly redirects. Cards, gentlemen? Scene 103, the investiture of General Howe into the most honorable order of Bath at a large estate in New York with a grand staircase and a great expanse of grass sloping down toward the bay covered with man-of-war and other ships the accompanying music will be handel's royal fireworks there are officers positioned along the entire expanse of grass and to the stairs and behind them all along the grassy slopes are the guests for the following party and other military personnel A tight-packed crowd of red and blue coats and civilian black. The grass is filled, and the only available space is between the different military columns through which Howe will ceremoniously advance toward the staircase. At the top of the stairs, we see Lord Admiral Howe and German General de Hester. We hear cannons being fired from ships below. Elizabeth is there as well, dressed in a white gown. There is a hush of silence as everyone expectantly awaits the arrival of General Howe at the bottom of the grassy expanse. And then General Howe arrives on a splendid white charger dressed in his scarlet coat, eight-pointed star, and blue sash and hat. He pauses at the bottom, well before the first of the military column. There is a moment of hushed silence as his very presence radiates heroism. Camera cut to Elizabeth, who feels her hero and fights back happy sad tears of the noblest kind. A lone bagpiper sounds a military piece at a distance. After this, Howe advances slowly on his horse as arms are presented and trumpets call. Handel's peace begins. General Howe passes through a group of other officers. Many are master masons who nod to him and he to them. The crowd behind cranes to see, not wanting to miss a moment. Now beyond the first columns of officers, at the base of a slight rise, he dismounts and walks forward very aristocratically toward the next two columns of officers camera cut to those watching and to Elizabeth who looks so in love that she knows she must appear to be less so. The general continues his progress toward a presentation of arms and bayonets where his generals, high-ranking officers, and others who nod in respect to one of England's most heroic generals ever. Finally, the last group draws their swords in homage as how strides through and the camera pans the crowd's reaction. Now beyond the columns, he walks on toward the admiral and catches Elizabeth's eye as he nods in love with the slightest of smiles. His weighted presence mightily affects her, but she willfully steadies herself and does not allow her telltale softening motion to show forth. General Howe stands before the admiral at a distance, and they salute each other. From the periphery, an officer comes forth, bearing a black ceremonial box. He stands at a respectful distance, but not before he snaps to attention. Lord Admiral Howe. In the name of His Majesty King George, I am pleased to honor General William Howe with the investiture of the Knight's Order of the Bath. Step forward, General William Howe. The general steps forward. Kneel, the admiral says. General Howe kneels and the admiral takes his sword from his sheath as the light plays on the blade. Lord Admiral Howe, in the name of his majesty king george i knight you the admiral taps the general's left shoulder and then his right shoulder with his sword lord admiral howe says rise sir william howe Sir William rises, and the officer with the black box walks over, lifts the lid, and gallantly presents it with outstretched arms to the admiral. Slowly and carefully, Admiral Howe takes the red ribband with the affixed golden badge of the order and nobly drapes it around Sir William's neck. The camera focuses on the sparkling golden badge, On it are three imperial crowns surrounded by the motto of the order on a circle jewels with a glory of rays issuing from the center. The motto is Tria, Unta, in Uno, three joined in one, trinity. Utter quiet, Lord Admiral Howe. Raise your right hand, Sir William. He does you shall honor God above all things. You shall be steadfast in the faith of Christ. You shall love the King, your sovereign Lord, and him and his right defend to your power. You shall defend maidens, widows, and orphans in their rights, and shall suffer no extortion as far as you may prevent it. And of as great honor be this order unto you, As ever it was to any of your progenitors or others, I swear it, Sir William says. The brothers nod to each other. He turns and catches Elizabeth's eye first before he presents himself to the adoring assembly who cheer and clap as music plays and officers join in song. There is cannon fire and fireworks, and we see the jubilant faces of Patterson, Kemble, Balfour, Grant, Percy, Gray, and others. Sir William reunites with his Elizabeth, shakes hands with his brother and the German general, and is soon surrounded by friends and officers who greet him with hearty congratulations and nods. Camera cut to below where all the soldiery has been released from their barracks and sailors from their ships. Tables have been set up and there is laughter, singing, food, and drink. Camera cut to invited guests walking up the grand staircase to the mansion where an elegant dinner and a ball will soon begin. Cut back to Sir William escorting Elizabeth through the big doors scene 104 the ball begins there is music conversation and opulence as the guests pour in we hear their conversation how noble how grand the british are i hope we do not win the war what will our parties be like without investitures and ceremonies Was that Elizabeth Loring on the general's arm, one of the guests say? It was. I hear he is never without his Cleopatra. No, Cleopatra? Yes, and when this war is over, he intends to take her with him. Back to England? That's a complicated affair, aren't they all? But not when you are his Cleopatra, they smiled deliciously. Usual business though. On the continent, amongst the aristocracy, his wife has endured many, but she wants to keep her title. After all this time, they probably live like cousins anyway, <laughs> if they spend any time together at all. I say, why not? I'd be his in a moment. Shh! Waste of time. Look at them. He has eyes for her only. I know, silly. Cut to a far view of Elizabeth and Sir William, with his officers laughing. Do wars always stop for the social season? This one does. Washington lost most of his recruits at the end of the year. Why doesn't Howe finish him off? I don't know. Masons fighting Masons? Who knows? He is a peace commissioner, too. Did you hear? Clinton was en route to call Lord Germain out. Never happened. Germaine found out, and his messenger met Clinton at the docks as soon as he landed with apologies and promises, which Clinton rejected, and then Germaine offered Clinton a red ribbon, just like Sir William, to save himself. Uh, Sir Clinton, is it? <laughs> Germain casts aspersions at everyone when, wasn't it he who was severely reprimanded himself for cowardice, not taking the field fast enough at the Battle of Minden? Not like our Sir William, takes the advance column, fearless ma'am, deserves this honor. No one like him, another says, that's for sure. Here, here, he has the mindset of God. Here, hear. Cut to how and e you were moved during the ceremony, Elizabeth, and I had to use all of my powers not to embarrass you. You deserve this to the hilt, my hero. How loves her word choice. She holds his arm as she clouds with tears. Sir William whispers, "My girl, my girl, this is yours." He forgets himself momentarily and is about to put his red ribbon around her neck. Elizabeth stops him before he is observed. No, William, this jewel represents your questing soul's perfection. You are your country and mine, your noble traditions, and completed spiritual mysteries. And though there is no more free and consummated in God, American, how smiles with that, than you are Elizabeth. You will be English with me. Elizabeth wipes away her tears, nodding. Shall we dance, William? I wish we could ride right now. I would mount up behind you and we would go faster than we ever did before. Hal is thoroughly aroused and takes her hand. Let's go. He wants to devour her. Why did you say that? I want all of you now. She looks at him and whispers, Later, darling. Later, I promise. How brings it down a notch. I better stay. This is for me. Come. I have to move. He smiles with it, then takes her arm, and soon they are waltzing with the eyes of the room on them, as they give away all in energy, that which they wish they were doing. Others join in the dance. Katie is there with Chris, and Patterson has asked Ella to join him. Howe gives Patterson a nod as he passes him, and Katie thanks E for her help with a look. And the camera wants to savor them all night long, but then the screen fades to England. Scene 105, a room in Westminster. General Brigone and Lord Germain confer together. Germain. Burgon, we need a change in Momentum. I like your northern scheme exceedingly to advance our prospects of ending the conflict. There is a balance to the attack. I have spoken to the king, and he will see us now camera cut to the two of them about to have audience with the king and his privy council as Germain and Brigone bow at a distance. The king waves them forward. They stand before the king flanked by his privy council. Brigone scans each face hoping to establish intimacy that he may proceed. Brigone. Your majesty, I have devised a plan for ending the rebellion in a single stroke. The king wears a small smile. Your scheme? May I, your majesty? Bragone lifts up a rolled-up map. The king gestures toward a large table, and Bragone spreads out the map of New York and Canada as all present circle the table. Burgon points to the map. Your Majesty, with a sizable British column, I will head southwards from Canada and advance toward Albany through the forts of Ticonderoga and Crown Point. General Howe will at the same time lead his Manhattan-based troops northwards to link up with my force at Albany our two armies would cut the colonies into two separate sections, after which the separated areas could be conquered individually. The king, and New England would be cut off from the southern colonies? Yes, your majesty. What think you, my ministers? The Earl of Halifax. I thought General Howe was in command, Germaine. He is, and Carleton is in command in Canada. The Earl of Suffolk. Has either been advised of your plan, Burgone? No, sir. However, the king says, the plan has merit, and our army has done nothing decisive yet. What think you, Germain? Germain, faced with opposition, carefully abstains from expressing a strong opinion. I believe the plan shows promise. Washington would not be expecting it. It just might work. The Earl of Halifax. Based on what testimony, Germain? General Burgones, who has been on the field. The Earl of Suffolk. General Clinton. Excuse me, Sir Clinton. He looks with emphasis at Germain. What is his position? The Earl says. Burgones? I haven't discussed it with him as of yet, the Earl of Suffolk, your majesty. It is my opinion that this matter should be weighed further. It will need more troops. Has Howe received the extra troops he asked for, Germaine? Remember, newly conquered lands need troops to secure them, the way of empire, Germaine. Germaine, no, His last letter indicated he could garrison his forts and carry on his intended assault on Philadelphia without more troops. The Earl of Halifax looks imperiously at Germain. Perhaps he still needs them, but no longer asks. Germain energetically squirms. The Earl of Halifax continues. Then there is the matter of Sir Carleton's major generalship in Canada. Or does he and Sir William just follow Burgon's submission, which might upset their plans for late spring and early summer, and which may be in developmental stage? I see your point, Germain says, both points. The King. Very creative plan, General Burgone. We will discuss it further. Germain looks at Bragone with It is time to go. Germain and Bragone bow their way out, both saying, Your majesty, your majesty. They leave the Earl of Talbot. Bragone already glories in this, and as we know, his will will ever be a false glory. Quite right, Halifax says, an arrogant man that Burgon, going around his superiors, his cold presentation without zeal, was a well-performed subtle act to accrue undeserved advantage. Suffolk must be hard for Burgon, since he has but little knowledge of the intricacies of war or of his fellow officers. How so, the king asks. Suffolk, the only non Mason in the general's ranks. The king says the next four and two himself. Does that matter? They are human like the rest of us, despite their degrees. Masonry's mysteries few see through to the end. Halifax pretends not to have heard. Your Majesty? The king. No, nothing. Was there anything else? Halifax. Brigone ever courts responsibility. The king looks with many do, and Suffolk plays along with Halifax. Suffolk. And if fellowship is found lacking, Suffolk's eyes shift to Halifax. Halifax. The welfare of your country, Majesty, may not penetrate his vainglorious soul. Scene 106. Cut back to the investiture party. Some guests are banqueting and others are dancing. Elizabeth and William are outside. I have something for your day, too. She opens her party bag and takes out an envelope and hands it to him. Ah, poetry, William says. Please read it to me, Elizabeth. On your day, we might have met. On a hill above the sea, and walk slowly down between ten thousand warriors with brandished swords and voices raised in homage above the ocean's roar. On your day, we could have done all of this and maybe more, but then I might have missed the love that fell slowly from your eyes as we silently said our vow within: tria uncta in uno, just you and I. William listens and is immensely moved. Elizabeth, I began this campaign's war games near Stonehenge. Patterson was there and he asked me about another battle, one led by General Wolfe. Elizabeth nods with memory of Wolfe. He read us poetry before our assault and then he said he would rather have written lines like that then take Quebec and what I felt then Elizabeth this fullness and peace is the way I am feeling now my love this jewel he points to his red ribbon is not your poem's equal for yours has the feeling of God Almighty in its handiwork their eyes fill with tears which he controls he puts his arm around her at a distance patterson and other officers have been looking for how they see them and stop patterson maybe now is not the time kemble he loves her in a way i have rarely witnessed amongst our kind or any kind patterson adds kemble not wisely but too well Maybe that is the reason our general said before our next action. We will wait for the grass to grow so there will be forage for the horses. Patterson snaps at Kimball. Kimball, our general is quite capable of conducting war and all else at the same time. We have only a partial view of the dictates of our ministry, or does Germaine inform you as well? Kemble takes a back step, and the other officers laugh. Hal looks up and sees them. Be right there, gentlemen. They join them, and his officers congratulate him, and then he says to Patterson when no one else is close enough to hear. Once again, running interference, James?